hard-hitting questions coming out of yesterday. You know, I think one of them was uh, whether or not the horns down is going to be 15-yard penalty uh, in the SEC in the future. That it was very important to finish uh, and to collect the trophy and to win 10 games and win a game on New Year's Day and all those things. And uh, believe me, we had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. I said in my press conference back in December that I didn't feel like there was anything at South Carolina that we lacked to be a championship program, that we had everything that we needed. I am even more convinced of that now after being there for seven months. So there's a report in the Houston Chronicle that, that Texas and Oklahoma are inquiring about joining the SEC. <laughs> I bet they would. <laughs> War Eagle. Feels good to say that. Uh, All right. <clears throat> I didn't even remember that 12 years ago, but now that you say that, because I believe there was something about someone didn't have Tebow first team All SEC. And as usual, I was accused of that. So <laughs> I brought my ballot to, to show everyone, to show Urban. Um, so. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast, Hale State. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, we got a great show lined up for the folks, starting the week strong. You know, this is uh, the final week here, Shane, before mm-hmm. we get to the SEC season. And before we get into uh, the show and everything we want to talk about, really want to give a shout-out here. If, you can, if you're watching on YouTube here, we've got a Jared Lorenzen statue that mm-hmm. one of our listeners was kind enough to send it to us. So let's give this guy a shout-out, Adam Verzell, I probably butchered that. I, I apologize, Adam, but uh, this is a Lexington Legends statue of uh, Jared Lorenzen. We're obviously huge Lorenzen fans, so we really appreciate you sending this. We wanted to display it front and center here for the podcast. And, uh, you know, if anybody else wants to send us something, <laughs> we're happy to display it. We're trying to make this, uh, you know, in, as interactive a show as we possibly can. You know what? Absolutely, man. I, I was a little skeptical there at first. It's like, he's sending you what? You, know? <laughs> you never know what you're going to get in the mail, but I'm telling you what, thing turned out pretty good and I like it. looks good up there. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as we noted here in recent weeks, I'm sure everybody here is well aware by now, but I quit my job. So this is all I do. And we've got some sponsors, Shane, to, you know, I don't want this thing to turn into uh, one big advertisement, but <laughs> We got a note that uh, we're partnered up with HelloFresh. So uh-huh. head on over to HelloFresh.com slash SECMike14 to get yourself up to 14 free meals from HelloFresh. Really uh, a really great product. They sent it to both of us. We both love it. And we're also sponsored by FanDuel. So head on yeah. over to FanDuel.com slash SECMike and get you uh, it's a 20% deposit bonus of up to $500. So Hey, we're rocking and rolling, and if you want to keep the show going, it's always going to be free. That's my vow to you guys, but 
uh, you know, uh, uh, using these sponsors is really going to help us out and really keep the show improving uh, this season. And 14 free meals, Mike. I mean, <laughs> come on now. I did a chicken uh, uh, chicken spaghetti thing yesterday. It was oh, fancy, yeah. man. I would never order it off a menu. But uh, by the time I got done with it and ate, I was like, man, this was delicious. This is like restaurant quality. So, yeah, get those free meals in, guys. And uh, before we get to the news, Shane, you know, we like to start something fun if we can. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a little clip here from uh, Marty McGee. They were trolling uh, Kirby Smart, and then Lane Kiffin got involved with it as well. So let's kick it over to, to this uh, clip here with Kirby Smart. How do you react when he posts the great Father's Day post with Saban on, on Father's Day? Well, I'll give, I'll give Lane this. He didn't post that uh, unwarranted. I mean, we have a, a, a legendary side thread that goes on between Lane and I, so he sent that on the side thread long before he posted it on Twitter. So I know he does it for reaction and for entertainment. We spent several years together there at, uh, at Alabama, and that's, that's another one of his ways of taking a shot back at me because, you know, he used to get whoopings when we were there. I didn't, get, I, I didn't get the same whippings he got. So uh, he's getting his – he's trying to get his his jabs back. All right, so these two buddies, man, hey, they're close in the – they work together at Alabama, and Lane Kiffin knows all about who's uh, <laughs> their daddy, doesn't he? Golly. You know, that's one group thread I wouldn't mind being in. You know? <laughs> uh, one other thing I wanted to call to attention here, I really thought this was cool, but uh, we have Shane Beamer out here, Shane, on Friday night – firing up the South Carolina fan base, getting them geared up for the season. So uh, just check out this quick clip of Shane Beamer. We're in this thing together, and you guys are creating that energy as well. So thank you. It is, uh, it is felt in recruiting, I promise you. Uh, and thank you so much. Love being back. It's a dream being back here. The best days of South Carolina football are about to take place. Without a doubt. Can't wait to do it with all of you. You guys have a fantastic time tonight. Not too good a time. We need you even more lively and ready to roll two weeks from tomorrow when we are, when we are back in williams Price Stadium with all of you and 85,000 other of our closest friends. Go Gamecocks! All right, Chase. So, hey, man, I, just, I really appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, South Carolina, we all know that they're in a position where they need to, you know, Shane Beamer's there for a reason, and it's because yeah. the football team's not been good, and in the you know the final years of the Muschamp era, the fan base not totally bought in. So uh, this kind of reminded me of uh, Bruce Pearl when he got uh -huh. to Tennessee. You know, of course now we think of Tennessee as having a solid basketball <laughs> program, but I promise you, I, I was at school during that time. <laughs> they were not good before Bruce Pearl. He had to rally these fans, and that started yeah. a, a tradition that now Tennessee is one of the you know, the better basketball programs in the SEC. So I, I just like to call to attention the fact that, uh, you know, these these head coaches, when they, they really know, you know, where their bread's buttered and they know they cannot win football games without the, the fan base, and that trickles down all the way to the students. So I just really like this clip. Absolutely, man. And that's a that's a that's a loud, violent place to play when it's at full capacity. But if you just got half of them there, you know, it's not near as not not near as detrimental when the sandstorm kicks in. So uh, <laughs> I love this. I love getting out there, get your boots wet. Uh, you know, Mike, we, we've got what? Uh, this was the last weekend of not having college football. Right. Now, I know I know SEC, we're, we're still what, 13 
10 well, – wait, no, Tennessee plays on third next Thursday. Right. How many days is that? That's too many. I'm running out of fingers here. How many days is that? Uh, Shay, that would be seven days – or 12 days. 12 days, yeah. <laughs> so, what I'm saying is 12 days from SEC football, but we're going to have college football every weekend till Christmas. I mean, it's oh, coming yeah. up. So, yeah, I'm as pumped up as Beamer is in this video. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to it, brother. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. Um, what, what, what is 12 personnel? You know, I, I, I got to get up. Two tight ends? Yes, sir. And two wide receivers or one? I, I'm just kidding. I don't know what 12 personnel is. <laughs> so. I worry about playing Alabama. I can't figure out whether or not the Big Ten and Back 12 are going to yo-yo around and play football with us or not. I mean, they're playing great. Love it. Love the game. Awesome game. It's unbelievable for our country. Uh, it's, it's great for our universities. It's great for our towns when we play. It's great for our young men. Uh, you know, it, I think it's personally think it's the greatest game in the world. So if they elect to play, great. If they don't, uh, yeah, you know, that's 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 on them. I, I got enough crap to worry about with preparing for Alabama and figuring stuff out at Mizzou. So the team is in great spirits. I know there was a lot of doom and gloom. I saw and heard a lot about how uh, the the hopes of our season hinged on the results of an MRI, and frankly, or frankly. That's bull crap. Uh, we've got a hell of a football team. And whether one guy's in or out, we got 117 other guys that are ready to step up no matter who's out. We got Kevin. All right, I'm not a big opening statement guy, and plus you guys are going to ask whatever you want to know anyway. So let's just go ahead and get started. Is there any questions? Young man from Destrehan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Uh, great young man. So All right, we don't have any clips here for Auburn, but they did have a uh, scrimmage over the weekend. And, uh, you know, got to start with a little bit of a negative news here because uh, the Tigers announced, this was, I believe, on Friday evening, that uh, head coach Brian Harson has tested positive for the COVID. Mm. So, so he has to be away from the team. And it's my understanding the protocol there at Auburn is 10 days. So, you know, he's not going to be he's not going to be missing the season opener. And, and according to the statement he released, uh, he's got no uh, symptoms or anything like that. So uh, certainly, you know, Brian Harson seems like a guy that's in good shape. So he should be fine. But yeah. it's pretty interesting that uh, first year going into a season where, you know, there there's plenty of questions with the Auburn Tigers. Now they don't have their head coach. I know he can do all the Zoom and everything like that. But uh, not a terrific sign, I wouldn't think, for Auburn. I know, you know, they play Akron, so they're going to beat the hell right. Brian Harson don't even need to show up for that one. You know what I mean? But uh, and and I certainly could. You know, you could spin this. I think Sam Pittman missed a game last year. Uh, yeah. Nick Saban missed a game last year. So it's not like this is totally unprecedented. And again, Brian Harson's not going to miss a game. But I don't know, Shane. I'm a little. Yeah. I'm. I was already concerned about the Auburn going into the season. Now with with a guy, it's a little bit different when you're Nick Saban. I mean, the program's established. Everybody's bought in. And now Auburn's not going to have their their leader here for for about ten days. Yeah, I mean it couldn't happen a worse time. I, I think that's the big the bigger picture here. Now I'm sure the media relations they're 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 cool with ten days off of uh, <laughs> sitting through his pressers, but 
but these players, you, you're breaking in a whole new system. This is this is prime time, man. Right. This is this is where the season kicks off, truly. And uh, I will tell you, if you're looking for some sort of silver lining, I guess you could say, hey, you got Derek Mason on that staff, mm-hmm. uh, so somebody that has prepared for SEC, you know, football play. I guess that would be the silver lining, but just the timing of it all couldn't be worse. Yeah, and to add to that, uh, like you said, Derek Mason, he's been in that seat. He knows all about it. Uh, they have announced, not Derek Mason, but the, the linebackers coach is going to be the interim while Brian Harson's out. But what kind of compounds this, uh, you know, Harson's bringing in, he's coming in as an offensive guy, as a guy that has worked with quarterbacks before. He's been an offensive coordinator, obviously, at Boise and, and Texas and, uh, you know, very – uh, respected, well-respected offensive mind, but uh, according to all I'm hearing, Shane, they're in the scrimmages, they're in practice. The Auburn defense is dominating the day. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not like Brian Harson; he'll still be relaying messages and zooming and all that, but he's yeah. not going to be hands-on with his players. And, and <laughs> it's it, they need his expertise going into this season. So uh, you know, just hopefully they don't lose any development here that there will be critical again. Not playing Akron or uh, Alabama State, whoever they they got uh, cupcake week two, but then really getting into that week three game at Penn State. uh, Just hope they don't lose too much knowledge leading up to that one. You know what? Yeah, and it's not like he's just pulled away from the team for the next 10 days either. He's not on vacation here. I'm sure he's been on every Zoom call. He's watched every second of film, and and, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe, maybe, you know – an eagle view you know he can kind of see where his program is sitting coming into sec play yeah maybe we don't hit the panic button until uh, photos surface of him down there at uh, panama city you know what <laughs> yeah that's that's when we get a little worried so until then i think we're in good shape mike i just i just hate the timing of it all all right shade next let's uh, kick it all day to college station giga maggots where the aggies uh holding their second scrimmage here on sunday uh, they've not uh, yet done that while we're sitting here recording, but uh, Jimbo did meet with the media. And, man, I got to say, Shay, the more buzz comes out of College Station, the more I'm – I don't want to say regretting not picking them to win the West, but uh, just more and more confidence that the Aggies are going to have their best team yet under Jimbo Fisher. Uh, things are really starting to come together. And, uh, you know, we, when you're talking about the three-headed monster they got at running back – uh, apparently, Moose Muhammad at the receiver position is stepping up in a big way. And that's before even getting to the defense, which looks like it's going to be the best unit Mike Elko's had down there in College Station. Uh, I think the Aggies, based on everything we're hearing, they're trending in the right direction at the right time. And I just cannot wait to see them take the field. You know what? Well, I'm telling you right now, all the bigs are coming out with their their bold predictions. and. Mm-hmm. And I've seen I've seen Texas A&M going undefeated on quite a few uh, of these lists. So I don't know if that's just the hype or just everybody's finally acknowledging the talent they got down there. But, well, buddy, I'm telling you what to say you're going to win the West and go undefeated. That's a that's a tall order. And and uh, Jimbo, you're about to hear in a minute. Sounds pretty damn excited about his roster, which you don't usually hear. Right. And, you know, of course, the big question going into, uh, you know, the season is who's going to win that quarterback competition. Is it going to be Hayes King? Is it going to be Zach Calzada? That's something uh, Jimbo continues to get asked about. And I I love the fact that uh, we got one of the fastest players in the country, Devon Achain. And yet he's saying Hayes King is uh, 
He's not saying he's as fast as Devon Ache, but he's basically right there with him. So that is uh, very intriguing to hear, as well as, uh, you know, he really praises Devon Ache, just uh, his smoothness and his uh, unbelievable productivity. So let's kick it over to Jimbo. <laughs> he went full fanboy on this one. Chain <laughs> <laughs> told us when he's in foot races, he sees to his left or right and a guy in a green jersey in other words haynes king so, so he's losing if he can see guys around him that means they're ahead of him that's so yeah, that means he's, he's low he you, said mean, he's, you mean you mean you mean a chain is loafing because somebody's out running him huh he said he's see short people like that real short people like that they have that problem they loaf like that sometimes so who is the fa- a chain says he's still the fastest but i want really long <laughs> no, way of asking you about haynes king's speed as well <laughs> that's what he went yeah i mean he run now i mean haynes can run if Chain wants to run, he ain't running. <laughs> you can get into that all you want. I mean, I mean, the chain can fly, fly. But, but you know, and you, here's the thing you got to realize. Football's not a 100-meter dash. Football's a 15, 20, 25, you know, 40. I mean, you know, those acceleration things, it's hard to get separated. Some of those guys got birth. We got some guys that got great accelerations and, and things like that. But, yeah, he can run. Haynes can run. Hey, what caught your eye about a chain outside of the obvious, outside of the blinding speed when you were recruiting him out of, out of Marshall High School? The unbelievable productivity. I mean, you know the long runs, but he did things. I'm going to tell you what, when you watch film on him, you go, okay, that's good. That's good. He looks so smooth. I didn't realize how. I mean, I watched the film. I said, this guy can run. Then I saw his track time. I said, wait a minute now. I mean, I mean those track times are world class. I mean, you know, sometimes and I've, I've coached some guys, that were, I mean, world-class guys. Quite a few, matter of fact, been fortunate in my in my career. Some of the top sprinters in the world today and past, and and they the, the he was so smooth doing it, you didn't realize. And of course, he would in football if he got ahead, he didn't have to go run, you know, ten flat. You know what I mean? Because he was still going to score. But the thing about him that amazed me is usually guys like that. Sometimes with track guys, that's not always true. And I say track guys. But they're a little bit out of control or there's some unnaturalness to him. He was so natural and smooth that he made it look easy. You didn't realize how fast he was. I mean, really. And the other thing was the toughness part. I mean, he would block you. He would hit you. He would break tackles. Uh, he made you miss so easily. You know what I'm saying? There was a smoothness to him. And then he had great ball skills. I mean, it really was. And, then, and to be honest, as good as I thought he was, he was better in person. He really was when he got here. And I'm not – but he, he is, he's got a chance to be a really good football player. I mean, he really does. What's, uh, between the two guys, I know we, we ask a lot, but what's, where, where are we kind of right now in the, in the quarterback battle? What have you seen? Is there anybody who's kind of We're going back ahead? and forth. They each get a shot with the ones and in practices and scrimmages and things we go. And I've been pleased with both guys. Both guys have made a lot of progress, taking care of the ball for the most part pretty well. Occasionally, you know, they'll, they'll throw a pick every now and then. But I want them to. You can sit there and say, don't throw picks, and then you don't make any plays. You got you got to take chances. You got to throw balls, and you got to find out what you can and cannot do. And I've been very pleased with that. There's been a lot more big plays than there has any of those situations. So decision making is getting better. Controlling the game, understanding uh, how to communicate on the field with the players and the demeanor and the body language and all that stuff. That's just as important to me as as is the other parts of it. And you start getting those things when you start getting comfortable in what you're doing. So that means and knowledge of what's happening. So they feel very comfortable out there. But I think both guys are making progress. We'll make a decision. You know, here we have to make one here relatively soon. But I've been very pleased with both guys, and I think both guys have had a good camp. A timeline that you're comfortable with that you particular that you typically want to know who your starting no, quarterback is. I, I will wait. We'll get through the second scrimmage and evaluate and see where the guys are. But also, 
not just a scrimmage. To me, every rep I grade. I'm grading every rep in practice. And our, we're not tackling each other, but we're doing red zone. We're doing goal line. We're doing seven on seven. We're doing first down. We're doing third down. We're doing third and short. We're going third and medium. We're going third and long. I mean, those things are getting evaluated daily. So we'll get through this one, and, and we'll have to make one. But there's not a certain timeline. But hopefully we'll know here in the next week or so. So here's the, th- the thing, Shane. So Devon Ache's Orange Bowl MVP, mm-hmm. Texas A&M arguably already had the best rushing attack in the SEC with Spiller and Smith. And now, I mean, it, I listened to, to Smith. He also spoke, and he, he had, you know, no concern over touches. He said, you know, everyone in that room is team first. But that's basically, I think, the biggest problem with the Aggies right now is just trying to divvy up uh, touches and the fact that, uh, you know, they're not all pure running backs. Smith can play receiver. Now Achain can play receiver. So I, I, I'm just loving all the buzz I'm hearing about Jimbo getting creative to get these guys the ball. And like I said, that'll be the biggest challenge, I think, with all these weapons. So it's, it's almost to me it doesn't matter which quarterback takes the field because they're going to be surrounded by a lot of weapons down there. <laughs> no wonder he's in such a good day of mood, you know? <laughs> like – I mean, think about it. We're we're bouncing around the league, and you're going to hear a lot of depth issues. And Texas Stadium's like, ah, we're good. We're just, you know, the biggest problem is trying to get all these guys some play time. You know, <laughs> right? Well, speaking of being in a bad mood, let's kick it all down to Tuscaloosa, Shane. Roll Tide. With Nick Saban uh, and Alabama, they just had their second scrimmage, and from what I understand, the defense won the day. I think uh, Bryce Young had a good day, threw a couple of touchdowns, but. His uh, yards per completion, not really that good. So defense winning the day there. And Saban, this is uh, the kind of the most pissed off he's been. You know, he's in he's in season <laughs> form here, Shane, because he was asked about guys stepping up on the offense, particularly Jamil Billingsley, their, their standout tight end, who's been in the doghouse here all at camp. Man, he, he really relayed a message not only to Billingsley, but I think this was a message – to the entire team, everybody he's got here, and not listening to the rat poison. Let's kick it over to Nick Saban. Yeah, how much, uh, in a second scrimmage like this, how much of it is a mental test for the younger guys, and how closely do you watch the demeanor of these guys uh, in moments of high pressure? Well, you know, basically, uh, I think the biggest thing that we have to deal with with our guys is um, you have anxiety that these players have. First of all, they read what you guys write. Uh, they read that they're supposed to be in the playoffs. They read that they're number one. They read all these things that, you know, I've referred to this as rat poison before. All right, so that creates a lot of anxiety, and everybody thinks they have to elevate their game. So you got that going on with the older guys, all right, which I'm trying to convince them, hey, man, we just got to play our game. Everybody's got to play your game. Don't put pressure on yourself uh, and think you got to be something that you're not, and we got to play together as a team. And then you got young guys uh, who are recruited that have high expectations for what they want to accomplish and what they want to do. And in some cases, maybe not realistic in terms of how long they focused on what they have to do, the process of getting it right. Uh, And they get a little frustrated because they're not making the kind of progress that they want to make. So you got kind of all these variables sort of circling around, you know, on your team. Uh, And we really got to get everybody in the right mindset. Uh, just to buy into doing the things that they need to do to play well, play their game. And uh, I think for different guys on the team, uh, there's anxiety level for different reasons. And we want to have high achievement motivation and low anxiety and have guys excited about playing. You know, 
Ernie Johnson made an interesting point when he, you know, talked to the team. Do you say, I got to do this? Or do you say, I get to do this? And we get to play. We get the challenges of the season. We get the opportunity to play some great football teams, some on the road, some at home, great SEC schedule. So we get to do these things. And uh, that's how I want everybody to look at it. So they got a lot of positive energy and enthusiasm to get after it. Yeah, I mean, just going to the opposite, the opposite side of the ball, just Will Anderson's a guy that obviously is, is taking that next step from year one to year two. What have you seen from him and, and the guys trying to get a pass rush? Yeah, he's been really good. You know, Will's probably the, you know, the guy that creates more havoc, you know, for our defense in terms of you know, his ability to pass rush. He's a more complete player now, you know, has, understands the whole scheme, uh, can do, is very diverse, you know, as a player in terms of what he can do. So, um, you know, he's had a really good camp, and, you know, it's going to be important that um, we can continue to develop some other guys off the edge so uh, they can't just feature, you know, worry about him. Coach, uh, you had mentioned at the beginning of camp that um, Julio had some, Julio physically had some work to do to, to get back up the depth chart or the depth chart at tight end. Uh, how did that position Well, that's up to him. That's not up to me. You know, he knows what he's supposed to do in practice. He knows what he's supposed to do. Um, you know, this is not a democracy. Everybody doesn't get what to do what they want to do. Everybody doesn't get to do what they feel like doing. Um, you got to buy in and do what you're supposed to do to, um, you know, be a part of the team and do the things you need to do in practice every day. Uh, sense of urgency, play fast, execute, do your job. Um, no, 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 nobody's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege for everybody to go out there and be able to create value for yourself. And, um, you know, we have scouts that practice every day. Um, so everybody thinks it's just about playing in the game. It's not just about playing in the game. They watch practice film. They watch guys every day. All right, you guys on ESPN, you, you evaluate what happens in the game. All right, but they evaluate what happens every day, what you do every day. So what are you doing every day to create any value for yourself? And, but you got to create value for yourself so that your teammates and everybody gets confidence in you, all right, so that you can, you know, you, you have their confidence when you go out there and play. And, you know, it's, that's up to every player on the team. I don't make that decision for everybody on the team. I try to get them to do it. I try to point out the, the importance of them doing it, but it's up for them to do it. It's up to them to do it. So, um, you know, maybe that's not my question to answer. All right, Shane, I, so I threw this uh, comment up after it happened in real time on Twitter, and I cannot tell you how many coaches from high school and across the uh, country, even Kurt Herbstreet retweeting this thing because uh, th this is – you know you're getting the magic when you're getting these comments from Nick Saban. He's in midseason form, but uh, I just love the fact that, uh, you know, everyone gives him so much credit, but he says it right here, man. It's not up to him. It's up to all these players – and certainly he's talking about Alabama, but I think the case could be made that uh, this same statement echoes across the SEC. It's, it's all about creating value for yourself day in and day out. And it, it doesn't seem to me like uh, he's happy with, with how that's going at Alabama right now. Now, let me ask you, Mike, because there's a lot of money floating around down there in Alabama with this name, image, likeness. Do you think that's what he's talking about? Is I, I know it's tough to speculate in, the, in these comments, but that that's kind of like the the number one answer I keep seeing is, uh, you know, is it because they're getting paid that they just don't 
need they, they don't feel like they need to work as much on the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a fantastic question, Shane, and something I had not really considered. But when the quarterback is out here making damn near a million dollars and he's done nothing of significance on the field, you right. got to wonder, uh, you know, how does that translate in the locker room? And, again, I'm not putting that on Bryce Young. If somebody offers me a million dollars, guess what? I'll be taking it too, <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, it, it's it's we're just entering into a season where we have no idea how this is going to, ha- you know, turn out. and. And I've, I've heard, you know, JT Daniels got a bunch of deals, but the way I understand it, JT Daniels is, is splitting up all the money with all his teammates. And That's again, cool. that he's not the only one doing that, but, uh, and I'm not saying Bryce Young has to do that, or I don't even, he may be doing it himself. I don't know, but imagine your locker room here and that, and then you find out, you know, you're not getting anything. I mean, there's just yeah. no, no telling how this is going to play out. And, and I think no one can answer that, but I think it's going to shake out this this fall and it may it may cause some issues in the locker rooms yeah I mean, it makes you wonder because i mean I, I was broke growing up my parents you know they worked their asses off to to provide for our family and and if i went to college and, and made half a million dollars or given you know i would have that i don't it would be hard for me to fight back that i've made it mentality you know, because you haven't, you, this is just another step. Now, is it lucrative? Yes. Do you finally have money? Do you have trouble, you know, buying your meals or getting gas for your car anymore? No, but you haven't made it. And I think that's what that saving more than probably most of the teams in the, in the country right now are having to deal with is just that I made it mentality. You haven't, you're not to the top yet. Yeah. And like I said, man, I've, I, that's probably one of the biggest question marks. And like we had Rusty Manziel on here last week talking, um, you know, how – and it, there's going to be players that we may not even know their name right now. Let's right. say they make a game-winning play and they beat an Alabama or an LSU or a Texas A&M. Imagine how much uh, NIL they're going to be turning around th- that very weekend uh, because people are going to want to be re- rewarding players for making yeah. big-time plays and big-time games. You know what? Yeah, I'm telling you, man. You thought you thought we had some divas on your team. Now you just wait. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, Shane, let's kick it all down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers! But the Tigers held their uh, second scrimmage here of training camp, and uh, I wanted to start here because you know, there's it's one thing to hear things, but it's another to you know someone that was actually there and shared it along. Jacob Hester, of course, the former LSU great. He tweeted out uh, his thoughts after being at the scrimmage. Malik Neighbors, the freshman receiver, he says he's that guy. Uh, that's the guy that at, uh, one of the, the breakout candidates that I mentioned last week. He says, don't sleep on running back Josh Williams. So more buzz for these running backs. That's not John Emery or Ty Davis Price. That's interesting. DBU has its swagger back. Cade York, the kicker, has a bionic leg. <laughs> Apparently he hit a 55 yarder is what I was told, and then uh, the oh a- kicking okay yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> now, I don't think his pants fell down or anything but uh, edge rushers everywhere according to Jacob Hester so I just wanted to share those thoughts but uh, yeah it's interesting Shane and I, and I think we'll get to Coach O's comments here in a moment but kind of the biggest uh, takeaway for me for what he's got to say is the fact that. Uh, the backup quarterback, Garrett Nussmeyer, continues to be a standout. Now, I've heard nothing but great things from Garrett Nuss or about Garrett Nussmeyer since he's got to LSU. Of course, his dad, a longtime 
NFL and college offensive coordinator. So he's got that pedigree. But again, you know, this is Max Johnson's job. I'm not suggesting yeah. otherwise, but you know, let's hope and pray nothing happens to Max. But you know, once we were down to two scholarship quarterbacks, you know, I was, oh my God, I was feeling bad for LSU. But if that happens now, you know, I think they're in capable hands with Garrett Nussmeyer. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think so too. And you'll, you're going to hear those comments and that. I, I just, you still, you still like to have another player right. just in case, uh, a little competitive depth in case Max goes down. But I hate talking like that, you know. I, I, I'm more of those, let's just, I hope Max doesn't get hurt and he plays the entire season. So, and then, so let's kick it over to Coach O'Shane, who kind of recapped the scrimmage, shared some stats, shared, uh, you know, like I was saying, Nussmeyer had another great day. And then, uh, you know, continues to call out his running backs here. John Emery, Ty Davis-Price. I mean, it sounds like they may be getting surpassed by some of the younger running backs. Crown them, Mike. Just go ahead and <laughs> crown them. How great is the West? I am. I mean, before you play these clips, just thinking about that. I mean, if I, if we get to the end of the year and I tell you LSU ran the table, you wouldn't call me crazy. Mm-hmm. You could see it happen. If I told you the same thing with Alabama, or if I told you a Texas A and M, you'd. I mean, you just. We have no idea how the West is going to shake out this year. And and then you got Mississippi State. You got Arkansas. You got Ole Miss. You got all these other programs just floating around that could surprise anybody at any moment. I'm telling you, that is a dangerous, dangerous conference. Overall, I thought the, uh, the offense had a better day today, scored points, made some big plays. A couple of stats for you. Garrett was 18 and 32 for 308 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Max was 11 and 19 for 125 yards, one touchdown. Russian Josh Williams was, had seven rushes, 66 yards, uh, John Emery and Tyron did not practice. Almighty Goodwin had six rushes for 25 yards. Corey Connor, five for 15. Those young backs look good. Devontae Lou, who I said was having a good um, camp, had five receptions for 85 yards. Malik Neighbors, four receptions. Deion Smith, three receptions. Brian Thomas, Jack Best, all those guys had pretty good days. On defense, Jay Ward had eight tackles. Xavier Carter had two sacks. Mason Smith had three sacks. So, overall, good day. Uh, our kicker had a 54-yard 50 yard field goal. And obviously, you know, we think that he's one of the best in the country. And so, I think that uh, we got well, one, what we wanted to get done today. Uh, the, the elements were out there today, was, which was good. Our team didn't blink. Sure, hey, those guys, hey, Josh Williams did a great job. You know, uh, we, we, we need these guys to come out and, and perform. These young, young running backs have been out there every day. And John, you know, have been off and on. And again, you know, I, I believe in them. They're great backs, but uh, we need some consistency out of both of them, and we haven't got it really in camp. You know, he had some big plays. I mean, I think it was, it might have been fourth and 27 or something. He, he threw a bomb for about 60 or 70 yards. Uh, he, had, he had some big plays uh, down the field. Max is our starting quarterback, you know, but I have no problem if Max goes down to Garrett getting the game. Now, that doesn't mean that Garrett can't compete for the starting position, but right now, I feel good at Max is our starting quarterback and Garrett's behind him. But I think Garrett is going to be one great quarterback. He is dynamite. Uh, hey, all right, we got to get moving here. Let's kick it all down to Athens. Bulldogs, sick him! <laughs> the Bulldogs had their second scrimmage here of training camp. And as things are winding down, 
heading into the season opener here against Clemson. It sounds like they've got a lot of good news. Uh, you know, while, while it's kind of doom and gloom, as uh, Beamer would like to say, with all these guys going going out and not being able to participate, uh, it sounds like a lot of the receivers like Burton and uh, Kiaris Jackson back available to practice for the Bulldogs. So they still got so many weapons down there that uh, I'm not too concerned about where the Bulldogs are heading into this matchup. But make no mistake, I mean, they're going to have to bring their A game if they're going to beat Clemson. And mm -hmm. just, man, the anticipation for this one is is burning wild here, don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely, man. You just talk about a, a franchise team, man. Them Georgia Bulldogs, they're loaded. And I just like that the attitude. They're, I mean, they had a couple of injuries, but everybody's going to be ready to go for Clemson. Hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and that was the biggest thing Kirby shared, I thought. He said he expects to be full go for Clemson. Uh, of course, he didn't really get into specifics of, of individual players, but that was great to hear. And, uh, you know, I think the big question there, offensive identity, how's that going to play out? Let's kick it over to Kirby. We're 130 snaps uh, in both our ones and twos and right at 50 or 50-plus. 50 and then uh, the threes, you got another uh, 20 or 30 of those snaps. So uh, the offense did a little better job. Uh, this time had more explosive plays. Uh, some good opening uh, opening drive. Defensively, we struggled to tackle, and um, I thought we actually tackled better the last scrimmage than we tackled this scrimmage, which is um, not usually the way it goes. You know, the more you tackle, you get good at it, and we struggled a little bit with that today. So I think it's something we can really work on, hone in on, and all in all, pleased with the scrimmage. But um, we've got some um, communication things we got to work on, uh, getting plays in on time on both sides of the ball. Uh, special teams, um, that stuff wasn't probably as clean as the last scrimmage. So uh, we got to we got to figure those things out. But I was excited the way the guys competed today. Kind of ends what I consider to be our camp. Uh, you know, we've gone in spiders more of this camp than we ever have before. Um, some by NCAA rules and some by choice. Um, but I'm pleased with where our guys are. I'm pleased with the attitude they've had. And uh, we're going to take day off tomorrow and uh, some of Monday and get back to work Tuesday. Uh, Brittany's working there. We've got uh, linebackers working there. We've got uh, a couple other DBs working there. So I feel really good uh, about the the play of Brittany from the um, bowl game. Uh, you know, Brittany's played that his whole entire uh, career since he's been here. Uh, Pools played a lot of that. And uh, we've got several guys working there. Hey, Coach, uh, this may be a better question. I don't know if until the after, after, wait after the first game, but with the two scrimmages in the book, how much of a, what the team's offensive identity will be are you able to gauge right now? Yeah, I think it's, uh, some of that's dictated by who the defense is, right? Like, we, we want to mm -hmm. dictate to the defense what we do, but at the same time, some of what they do matters. You know, if they, you know, every defense we play will be different. There'll be three down fronts, four down fronts. They'll be uh, big, small, experience in this level, experience on that level. We want to take advantage of what they give us. So, I don't know that we can, we can identify what we want to work on, but we're just trying to figure out who the best football players are, not the guy that knows the signal the best and can go actually, we're trying to figure out who the best football players are. And that's been our intent in two scrimmages is not to go out and trick the defense. We're, we're going out to play fundamental football. And now it'll become a little more scheme because we got to figure out exactly what each guy can do and what he does well and who we want to become. Kirby, can, can you update us on John Fitzpatrick, uh, Arie Gilbert, Don, Don Blaylock in terms of how they're doing? And then piggybacking off that, how do you feel about your team two weeks away from the opener in terms of players that could be available for a tough matchup? 
Yeah, uh, we're hopeful to get all those guys back um, soon. So that's 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 the plan, really, on all the guys that are injured. I mean, I we don't have a injury that's that those guys out for a long amount of time. We're hopeful to get all those guys back. I mean, every one of them is day to day, and some of them, some of the ones you mentioned, can practice now and are practicing. So each one's a different uh, situation, but uh, I, I, you know, I expect to be full tilt uh, when Clemson comes when it comes time to play them because I mean, we had more guys healthy today than we did the last scrimmage. Um, and we're in good position there. All right, Shane. So I think uh, more than any other time, if let's say Georgia was opening against like Kent State, yeah, I think he'd tell you who's uh, <laughs> who's <laughs> who's going to be there. You know, who's going to be available for the opener and who's uh-huh. not. Now that it's Clemson, it's a little bit dicier, a little bit uh, stiffer competition. He does not seem like he wants to give away anything, does it? <laughs> no, because Dabo's listening right now, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And, uh, you know, there's going to be narratives that are written. Uh-huh. Georgia comes out and beats the hell out of Clemson. Everybody's going to crown them, even though they got the entire SEC slate to go through. If uh, Georgia were to slip up, everybody's saying, oh, my God, Rick, Mark Rick 2.0. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even with a full SEC slate ahead of them and were they to run the table, they'll be probably number one in the college football playoff. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to this game, but it will not define the season. But Man, I, I even pumped the brakes on that kind of talk because I want to hype it up as much as we can. You know what? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I'm not, I'm not I, trust me, I, I'm a Tissie Ball fan. I'm looking forward to Bowling Green, baby. But I'm going <laughs> to tell you right now, that Georgia Clemson game, I am, ex- I cannot wait because I just, I truly believe Georgia's going to run through them. And, and I just, I, just to put Clemson to bed for the rest of the year from week one, I just love it. Mm hmm. All right, Chad, well, let's kick it down next to Lexington. Well, it sounds like uh, the defense won the day there for the Kentucky Wildcats in their second scrimmage, although uh, Mark Stoops said it was pretty close to 50-50, and 50, and I guess that's what you want to hear, you know, but uh, when you're going up against yourself, as, as close as 50-50 as you can get, that's got to be good news, particularly for a Kentucky offense that has struggled in recent years but the big news there in Lexington man several players involved in uh some kind of campus situation and their safety Vito Tisdale cornerback Joe Williams running back Jathon McLean cornerback Andrew Phillips offensive lineman RJ Adams and receiver Ernest Sanders all six of those players not available for Kentucky at this time and according to the allegations there was some kind of frat party and, and fisticuffs mm. and there's charges. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of that when all the legal battles are done here, but not great, man. <laughs> now that you got uh, half a dozen players here out for Kentucky. No, absolutely not. But that's how, you know, college football's back. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Kentucky, maybe the, you know, they really are climbing the sec, you know, when you, when you start getting these allegations. Man, I hate, dude. I trust me. I hate it. I hate it when it happens to our team. I so I hate it for for the Big Blue Nation because you know there's just so many question marks and is anybody gonna get in trouble or how serious is it? Right. So we don't we don't know that. But as soon as we we get those answers, we'll be sure to give them to you. I don't think it's gonna be as serious as maybe some of my UT friends made it seem to be. <laughs> yeah, and from what I understand, this took place like in March. So it's yeah. it's pretty weird how it's just now 
coming to light, but maybe that was all strategized. I don't, I have no idea, yeah. but something to think about and something uh, Mark Stoops addressed here. And he also talked about uh, Will Levis and how he has responded to being named the starting quarterback there in Lexington. Pleased to get the second scrimmage in. Felt like, uh, you know, again, a lot of good work in the stadium. I wanted to be as close to game ready as we possibly could walking off the field today. And uh, we made some headway, uh, but obviously we have two weeks uh, to, to put the finishing touches on it. But uh, really good work. Uh, stayed relatively healthy again, which is always a, a bit of a concern when you go into a big physical scrimmage like that. But uh, we got a lot of work done. Um, defensively started really well. Offense, uh, was, it was good to see them respond. Uh, made some good plays, some good drives. Um, but defensively, you know, should be a touch ahead with the experience that we have there and, and did some really good things. Well, you know, there, we had a school um, review of that. And uh, after the school review, it warranted them coming back to activity. Uh, with this, this is different. So um, it's, it's, it's something that we have to, to weed through. I'm not sure when they'll be back. Um, you know, there's a, a process, uh, the legal process needs to play out. I need to, to, to see in this discovery if there's something that we didn't know about. And I don't, I don't, you know, we don't have all that information and their attorneys don't have all that information yet. When they receive that info and we get the discovery, we'll, we'll make uh, decisions from there. It, it, it's, it's there. I feel, um, you know, we need to continue to improve our run game you know, and, and uh, kind of zero in on that. You know, when you're, when you're making improvements in certain areas, there's going to be some give and take. But we never want to get away from that physicality. It, it always goes hand in hand. You know, if you run the football well, then it's going to set up play action. And, um, you know, we're going to continue to work some predict predictable run situations. We've got to be effective. You know, um, I've gone through some of that before over the years here. We, we weren't very good in some predictable run, and, and we got that straight. You know, we're not perfect, but we, we got, you know, we, we, we got, we improved. And right now, there's some things that we still have to hone in on. I did. I think it's, you know, it, it's one thing it does is it cleans up reps, you know, you know and, and for him uh, being in command of the huddle and, and uh, the, getting on the same page with the receivers and all that, I saw some improvement, yes. What do you make of his uh, celebrity uh, I, I really, I don't, I got other things on my plate. <laughs> you think that's funny, Lon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Shane, so I mean, it certainly sounds like Levis has got command of that unit, and I mean, it, anything other would have been a huge red flag, so again, I, I think this is sounding pretty good, although Mark Stoops was a little concerned with uh, the running game, got to get that that going, but Hell, if Kentucky's running game is struggling, that just tells me the defensive line is is as good as they're saying up there in Lexington. And I'd be I'd be pretty pumped up if I heard that if I was a Kentucky fan. Yeah, pretty pumped up. But I, I mean, also I love my offensive line. I mean, I've been pumping them guys up. So mm -hmm. I, I like when it's when I need those two or three yards, I know my boys are gonna get it. So hey, those those are some Titans battling up there. I wanted to ask you though. Uh, I've listened to this clip a couple times. What was he talking about there at the tail end? With the, I, I didn't, I didn't quite catch that. Um, I don't remember what what was he saying. He was talking about a celebrity or something like that. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. He was talking about old uh, Will Levis 
eating the banana, how everyone's going crazy. I mean, that was on Good Morning America. I think I've seen every Twitter account known to man. Uh, resharing it if you missed it. We had it on the pod, but uh, uh, Will Levis apparently eats a damn banana with the peel on. Oh, no. Does he really? <laughs> no, I, why am I just now hearing this? Why would you do that? That Surely he's just doing it for likes, I guess. That cannot taste good. <laughs> I, I mean, I, that cannot taste good at all. Oh, yeah, his roommate better sleep with one eye open. <laughs> I don't trust a man that eats a banana that way. <laughs> oh all right, Jay, uh, next let's kick it all down to Starkville. Where uh, Mike Leach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs just had – just held their second scrimmage of training camp, and still they got a quarterback battle raging on there. But uh, the big question mark, as it's been all offseason, this is what we've been saying, that offensive line, can they hold up? Time and time again, they were going up against three-man rushes, and either the quarterback getting sacked or getting pressured, that's inexcusable against mm-hmm. a three-man rush. So that's something that uh, Mike Leach – I love the fact – I figured you'd appreciate this, Shane. Said, yeah. Anybody that thinks O-line's not the most important position, well, they're wrong. I wanted to put that on a poster, man. I'll hang it here in the pod studio. That's the best best line he said this all this whole offseason. First of your offensive line today. Uh, I thought, you know, it's been kind of a steady progression. I thought uh, the first group I thought did reasonably well. I, obviously, some plays we'd like to have back. Uh, in our third group, we're just trying to carve that out. So, um, but I, I thought good, steady work. I thought we improved as a team on both sides. You know, it's it's, uh, uh, and I didn't think there were any long streaks that anybody got in. So we kind of traded blows. So I thought it was a good scrimmage. I know you've been trying to get your line to a certain point. When they're not where you want them to be, does that affect play calling, deep passes, that sort of thing? Affects everything. It's the most important position on the team, uh, you know. And people may disagree, and if they do disagree, they're wrong. But offensive line's the most important position. It feels like all your quarterbacks have a way to keep plays alive with their feet. How'd you feel about that today? Improved. I mean, uh, work in progress, but improved. Yeah. After the last scrimmage, you talked a little bit about the goal line offense. Do you feel you made strides in that today? Yeah, maybe. You know, I think our, our goal line defense is pretty good, too. So there's a part of it that's hard to gauge because I think <clears throat> defensively we do some really good things um, as far as the, uh, you know, on goal line and things like that. But then um, with that said, uh, I do think we're improving. Offense came out really hot between the 20s and you had a couple of picks there. I mean, I know you got to watch the film, but what did you see there? We just got to take care of the football. I mean, it's just... You know, just have your eyes in the right place. I, we probably had some pressure on some of them, but that didn't change what we need to do, you know. Thoughts on Chance and Will after today? I think, uh, well, I think I think both of them have some good qualities. I think they're both uh, kind of battling to stay within themselves as far as consistency. I think uh, Will's more consistent than Chance. What did you think of King Ani today? Uh, I didn't. I'd have to go back and look at the film. I mean, there's... Uh, you know, there's uh, a bunch of D linemen out there, and some of them are creating pressure. So, it's kind of hard to gauge in a scrimmage. With some of those interceptions, do you feel that was more so maybe mistakes by the quarterbacks or, or good plays by the defense? Oh, I think it's the quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, good plays by the defense. Yeah. I mean, if 
I mean, they caught them and they took off with them and all that. But you know, the starting points don't throw to uh, throw it to them. And then, you know, it's all a series of uh, you know of little things. I mean, <clears throat> there's going to be some of them you can say, well, if we protected better, um, if the quarterback threw a better ball, if his eyes were in the right place, if we got more separation at receiver, then it wouldn't happen. So I, I do think it extends. Uh, that extends further than you know just uh, one guy. Um, occasionally, there's a, an interception or something. A defensive guy makes some spectacular super catches. These really weren't that. I didn't think. I mean, credit to our defensive guys for being in the right position, breaking quickly to uh, make the play. But uh, and that's what we expect to do is consistently be in that position. Uh, but um, you know, they, they weren't the spectacular catch variety there. There, you know, I think we can execute better and prevent some of those. But we do expect to get turnovers. So, you know, of course, we love uh, any time the big uglies get some love. But uh, it's interesting the fact that uh, Mike Leach, and, and maybe this just, you know, him being the guru and the perfectionist that he is, not quite happy with his quarterbacks. And maybe that's why uh, Will Rogers is yet to be named the starting quarterback. But uh, I think he's just one of these guys that uh, rides his quarterbacks. Don't you? Yeah, uh, do you think this this battle's closer than we're letting on? I mean, me and you both have been on record saying we think this is Will's gig, but do you think this thing's close, or you just think this is uh, the pirate talking here? I think this is the ti- the pirate just uh, you know pushing yeah. them. I, th- I think this is Will Rogers' job. I've been consistent with that, even leading up to camp, and nothing that I've heard exiting it makes me think otherwise. Okay. Yeah, I do too, man. All right, last stop around the league, Shay. Let's kick it all day to Fayetteville. Woo pig! We're old Sam Pittman to recap the second scrimmage there of training camp, and it sounds like uh, the offense after the first scrimmage not really showing their head coach what they what he wanted to see kind of responded this week, and he was asked quite a few questions. The big topic there, KJ Jefferson, how's he looking? Let's kick it over to Sam Pittman. Go ahead, Trey. Yeah, coach, just overall thoughts on how things went today. Special teams. I thought it was very physical uh, scrimmage. Um, I, I, last week, uh, Trey, I believe that our defense lasted. If if that is how you call it, they outlasted the offense. I believe last week, and I don't believe that this week. I think the offense. In the second half, I think the offense came back and did some really nice things. Uh, it was a pretty even scrimmage. Uh, maybe the defense had gotten the better of the offense a little bit uh, early in the first half, and I believe the offense responded, which I didn't feel like they did last week. Um, uh, with special teams, I thought we were good. Uh, we have to get better kicking field goals. Uh, we, we weren't quite as good today uh, with our uh, field goal game as what we have been in the past. And what about KJ's performance and any notes? I like KJ. You know, it's so hard, you know, when the whistle's so fast on him. But I believe, you know, he didn't take a lot of sacks. He um, uh, ran the offense well. He, I, I felt like he was accurate today. Um, so, I, you know, I think he's starting to feel like, you know, he's the man back there. And, and, uh, and our offense is, is, and our team is rallying around him. But I thought he had a good day. Uh, throwing and running the offense. Thought he was accurate. So you mentioned the, the the real stuff. So that's the one versus ones. What did you see when KJ and the ones were up against the ones? Well, you look at it, and and I I felt like um, 
our defense was ready to go. Um, I'm not saying our offense. I think I can't remember exactly, uh, but I think you know they made a three and out, three and out of the offense the very first time they went out there. Then I think the offense may have gotten a first down and then stalled in the second second one. And then in situation football, the offense played well. You know when you're talking about red area, low red, get the ball back. Uh, those those situations, I felt like the offense played well. All right, Shane, it's interesting because uh, so much – hey, I, you know, I'm firmly in the K.J. Jefferson bandwagon, but people upset about him showing up a little overweight and all this. Yeah. And there's buzz about uh, <laughs> neighbors looking – hey, I've never bust a man for being overweight. Trust, yeah. trust me on that yeah. one, you know what I mean? Wait, wait till I go to video, boys <laughs> and girls. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, what are your thoughts on this? The fact that uh, – again, you know, going back to what I said earlier, I think it's kind of what you want where – you know, maybe if the defense wins the day one scrimmage, the offense wins it the next. I, I think you only really got a problem on your hands if if one side of the ball is just dominating the entire camp. Golly, I don't think. So. I mean, Sam loves every damn guy on that, and that I think he loves everybody in Arkansas. That's just that's just who he is. And, and you know, KJ, we've been talking him up since he was recruited to yeah. Arkansas, man, three years ago. And was it three years ago? And then uh, last, no, let's see. Was it three years? I, uh, I yeah, because Coach Morris tried to put him in that one time. We got frustrated. He didn't start him. Right, was he right. a true freshman or was he a red shirt? I think he was a true freshman back in. Yeah. I mean, we've been – I've been wanting this kid to be good the entire time. Now, I am a little – I know I joke about the weight thing, but I am a little worried if, if he did come into camp uh, because that makes me feel like he's unprepared. And I'm not saying that's the case here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you listen to coach Pittman talk, you listen to coach Browles talk, you know, they're, they're all pumped up about what they got with KJ, but you know, I look at a quarterback that wasn't supposed to start his first year, the second year they bring in Felipe. So obviously not going to start that season. This was his baby. I just, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that he took it serious in the off season because there's going to be a lot asked from him, uh, especially right out of the gate, man. When this when these guys start playing. Mm-hmm. And one guy that uh, you know we don't get uh, a ton of clips from him because he's just a coordinator now. But Barry Odom spoke to the media this week as well, so I wanted to play these clips on why uh, you know Arkansas is going to be a much better team this year. Why the depth is is really helping his side of the ball, and uh, I know for a fact. And this was great. We'll throw up Sam Pittman's tweet here. But, uh, you know, Barry Odom had opportunities to leave. He could uh-huh. be Texas's defensive coordinator right now. He could be LSU's defensive coordinator right now. But he's back at Arkansas for year two to work for Sam Pittman. Let's kick it over to him. Sorry to take you back to last year, too. But overall thoughts from defense from last year, you set the template for a couple of teams. And then there's a couple of games you didn't finish very well. What did you think last year overall? Well, I thought that there were times that uh, we did some really good things defensively. Uh, there are also times that we were, you know, I didn't do a good enough job on getting us in position uh, to win the close game. You know, we we really, there's three games that will forever stick out in, in not being able to finish those games when we had an opportunity to do it. So that's that's growing in, in, in how you uh, coach, how you teach, how you learn, uh, and then how you ultimately go execute. So. You know, those things are, are teachable moments, and we try to continue to move the bar forward. And 
Um, you know, th those are situations that you can spend time in the off season. You know, there's always a reason why. And uh, so you try to get those answers and then, and then put them into play. And just real quick, the year two under Sam, how are y'all better? And why are y'all better this year? I think, you know, we're, we're better because uh, we've got a wonderful head coach that lays out a, a plan for us to go execute. And there's not any gray area on what it, what it should look like, what it should be. Um, he's a tremendous leader. Uh, he cares so much for our student athletes. And we're able to grow and, and be ourselves in this program. And, and our kids understand the openness, the honesty, and the transparency that, that he has. And, and ultimately, what is important to our team and our program on how to go play. And uh, our guys have, have bought into that. Uh, they're hungry to be good, and they're hungry to have success. Uh, we're excited about 16 days out on having an opportunity to, to go kick it off. You, you didn't have to be here this year. You, you chose to be here this year. You could have been somewhere else. Just your thoughts about what's happening and, and why, you, why you're here. Well, number one, I'm thankful to be here and blessed to be here. This is a wonderful place. Uh, I couldn't think of a better person to work for than Sam Pittman and Hunter Yurichek. And... I understand how special Arkansas is, and I understand what the Razorback brand means, and it means something to me and my family. And we've started building something, in my opinion, that's very, very special. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful that I've got another chance to be around this team and these young men and represent this great state. All right, Shade. So, <laughs> hey, you could tell in his voice, uh, you know, I know – Barry Odom in his heart's a Mizzou guy. We all know that. Played for Mizzou, coached for Mizzou, uh, played for yeah. Gary Pinkle. Uh, I'm sure he's he's got a lot of love for that university in his heart, but they let him go, and he's yep. got a lot of love in his heart for Sam Pittman, man. And I think uh, he knew that uh, leaving there would have would have left Sam Pittman in a tough spot. Yeah, absolutely, man. That just shows you what they're building up there. Uh, if your coaches are buying in because coaches can say whatever they want when they're on the recruiting trail but when it comes down to signing that that name and, and getting that paycheck a lot of times they're bouncing and they're looking for the next best thing and and the fact that he didn't i think that speaks volumes to uh what coach Pittman's doing all right shade hey my camera battery is flashing at me i think it's about to die so i think <laughs> we're gonna have to wrap this one up but uh i do appreciate you hopping on the line i appreciate yep. each and every one of you for hanging out and if you made it this far please 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 give us that five star written review on the apple podcast app and subscribe to the youtube channel we really do appreciate each and every one of those all right see you guys go balls